another episode of double coverage uh, with the McCourty twins. We took a, a week off during Memorial Day, uh, time to spend some time with the family and kind of reflect and relax. So uh, happy to be back with you guys uh, this evening. Welcome, DMAC. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a good time to be back. Uh, um, before we get going and get into the, the thick of it, I just want to say um, from the bottom of my heart, me and my family appreciate all of the kind words, uh, whether it's been text messages, phone calls, um, social media posts, uh, comments, um, people reaching out through DMs. Uh, we've gotten a lot of love this week, and uh, it's been a tough week for us personally. Um, but, you know, like I said in the post, man, we've seen a lot of love. We've seen God uh, kind of through all of this, and it's been uh, a trying time, but it's been awesome just to uh, have the love uh, from so many people, whether, you know, we're close, not close, it's, it's really stuck out. So um, we've been fighting through and uh, moving on, and um, as tough as it is, it's been very inspiring, motivating uh, to get love from so many uh, different people, and especially uh, since we posted to hear so many other people's stories, uh, very similar to ours, to know we're not alone, uh, was very strengthening and, and has helped our family out a lot over the last couple of days. No, definitely, man. Uh, I've, I've had a lot of people reach out to me uh, just in support of our family. So um, that's the one thing, man. There's a lot of people supporting and a lot of people there. Uh, so definitely, definitely appreciate it. Uh, and as we get into it, uh, me and Dev just felt like with everything going on in the country uh, that we wanted to spend some time this evening and just talk about it. You know, um, sports is obviously something that plays a huge role in our lives. Uh, but right now, sports doesn't seem like something that's uh, very important. Um, there's a lot of things going on in our country, obviously, from a pandemic to everything that's going on with the racial issues uh, that have gone on and have plagued our country uh, for hundreds and hundreds of years. So uh, we wanted to just open up. Uh, our platform to be able to discuss some of these things and um, start off Dev flow, obviously being your coach for several years uh, as a head coach in the NFL made a statement and just talked about uh, some of the social injustices that he's witnessed and relationships he's lost over the years. How does that make you feel just as a, a former player of his, but also he's somebody that represents our entire league uh, for him to step out and say th those words. Yeah, man. And he holds a position um, that falls right into that category, a position um, that as players, as people who watch football, know we need more black coaches. We need more black GMs. We need more people in that position. So uh, to see him be outspoken and uh, knowing him personally, he's always been like that uh, to me was great to see. I think it it's about leading men. It's about men seeing uh, the important things, you know, we don't just come to play football. We're around each other. We mentor each other. We kind of pour into each other. So to see him to go out there and, and make it public and say how he felt, um, I thought was really good. And, you know, honestly, for both of us, it's been cool just to have other coaches reach out to you um, and try to talk about, you know, moving forward, how they can get involved, um, you know, with some of the work we've done in, in the past. Uh, just to see people's eyes open. I think it, it stinks that it had to be um, because of, you know, George Floyd's sacrifice because he got murdered in cold blood, um, that people's eyes are really open now. Um, but it's been like that the last couple, I mean, really, you know, obviously for hundred years, but hundreds of years, but, you know, in the NFL, the last couple of years, you've seen guys just be outspoken, guys been passionate, protesting. Um, so to see some people's eyes open, you know, I think can hopefully lead us to kind of create that change and hopefully improve. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, I think the athlete impact is huge. And 
Uh, that's one thing as I scroll through social media, people from Carson Wentz to Joe Burrow, uh, guys stepping out and saying how they feeling, not only from athletes, but um, companies. You see Netflix, Nike, Adidas, Reebok, different people standing on what they believe. In. And I think uh, that's very important. Now, while we have this platform to use it for that, I can't say how many countless times I'm on social media and I see guys uh, that I play with that maybe are out the league now uh, who, while they were playing, maybe didn't take advantage of that platform. And now you're trying to do so. And uh, it's tougher. So I, I just think in this time, uh, when you see other guys that are starting conversations or a podcast like this talking about these issues, I think it's huge. We have to take advantage of the platform we have when we have it. Uh, once we're retired, you still can do it, but it's almost too late uh, to demand the, the audience and the people that you have. And I think uh, it starts with the conversation. And uh, as you watch what's gone on over the last few days and there's the rioting, the looting, um, it's a form of communication when you don't know how else to communicate. And uh, when you ask the question, uh, we were talking about it earlier today, like, are they good? Are they bad? It's been a back and forth dialogue and some of our group chats with some of our closest friends. And uh, for me, I, I, I wouldn't find myself out rioting and looting. I think a peaceful protest is awesome. Uh, but at the same I can't sit here in the comfort of my house and tell somebody who firmly believes that the rioting and the looting is going to change. I can't tell them wrong because I cannot direct in a manner, in a way that I would say, if you do A, B, and C, we're going to get the answer we want. Um, I think everybody's just at a loss of solutions and people are resulting into things that they've been taught over years and years of people repeating the same actions. Uh, I saw a very moving video on Twitter uh, where a young man is uh, 31 years old and he's another man who's 14 and a year 16. And from generation to generation to generation, we've repeated the same thing and the results are the same. And he sits there and he tells that 16 year old kid, 10 years from now, you and your friends and the people that you've come close with that are passionate about this need to come up with a better way. We cannot keep repeating the same thing and expecting a different result. Yeah, and I felt that tenfold, you know, and I, I listened to uh, Reverend Charlie Dates uh, this evening and, you know, he talked about, he talked about just a statement, I can't breathe. He talked about, you know, multiple times um, in the Bible, you know, obviously starting in Genesis, where God breathed life into Adam. And, you know, he went from clay to an actual human being. And then after the resurrection, years later, a second wind had to come. The Holy Spirit had to come to again, breathe, breathe that into you. So you talk about that. Um, man is not supposed to take breath away. And as you, you watch that video and you hear this man saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And now you look at, what it is and whether it's LA, Atlanta, you see all of this, you know, the, the, um, like you said, the, you know, kind of protests and peaceful protests. Awesome. But you start to see the violence, whether it be from looting or whether it be from cops coming with, you know, force and shooting people with, uh, pellets and, and different things like that. Um, this week really had me just like thinking. And, um, as I, as we've been just grieving and going through what we're going through, um, I had to take a moment and really sit back and say, man, like, was God sending me a sign that, you know, my my little girl that was supposed to come in this world, her eyes and her body, she wasn't meant for this. She wasn't meant to have to go through this and see this. Um, and as hard as that is to kind of take in and, and try to live with and deal with, um, as the days have gone on and I've watched what's happened, 
I'm like, man, maybe maybe she just wasn't meant to to be in this world, and God took her home early, and she's in paradise now. She she's looking down on us, keeping keeping us together, and um, through all of this craziness, um, it, it just shows. And you know, Reverend Dates talked about it. Like, it's not good enough to just be Christian or whatever you believe in, and to think that you know, long as I worship and I read, and I, but we have to, you have to live with other people like that's what it's about that's what it is to live with others and to see them as equals to understand that they were created the same way you were created and the problem is in our country systems are built on false teachings of whether it's christianity or a bunch of other religions have been false teaching that there's a powerful person that you know they control it they enslave other people they do so for years that country has been built on that and now you see it, all these systems are in place for certain, for the black race to fail, to always be underneath. So um, like you said, to see the rage from people, to see anger, to see just high emotions, sadness, heartbreak, it's just, that's what you expect, you know, because you don't know what's next. So just to see those frustrations play out, um, you hope that you can post something to social media, talk to somebody that can be of some direction for them. Um, but, you know, it's hard to do that when you're lost and you have, you know, you don't have words you can't describe. So, um, like you said, it's been tough to watch some of the violence go on. Um, but 2020's kind of brought that in and it's just been, you know, what's next? What is going to really crush us next? Uh, as we get going, uh, what we decided to do tonight is we have guys that we went to college with, we've graduated with, who have gone and uh, all different avenues in life. We want to bring those uh, guys on the show. And uh, Dave Andrews will be at the end of our teammate as well. But some guys that are living just like all of us, and they're trying to figure out ways uh, to cope and to deal with it. Uh, for everybody that's tuned in, make sure if you don't, you get the fan cred app. Uh, you, once you get in, all you got to do is click the uh, the green button, get on, get backstage, and you get a chance to get online and get face-to-face with me and Dad. If you guys have a comment, a question, anything you want to talk about, uh, that'll be your chance to get on. But uh, we got our friend Chris Quay backstage. We played football together at Rutgers. Uh, he now works uh, in the financial world uh, as an African-American male, and he's trying to build his way up the ranks and just want to bring him in uh, to talk about from a little bit of his perspective of just an everyday life. He's gone through uh, a lot of the same things that other people are going through. What's up, Chris, man? What's going on, fellas? What's happening, man? We appreciate you taking the time. Uh, well, uh, set right now. Um, we just want to talk about what it means Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've been work, working for Morgan Stanley for um, about five years now. Um, I actually started as a financial advisor and actually left Morgan Stanley and then ended up coming back. Um, in 2015 as a private banker. So I've been with Morgan Stanley uh, as a private banker in my current role for about five years and just working my way up. Um, you know, I started as an associate private banker in New York and um, back in 2017 was able to get promoted and uh, move to uh, Hartford, Connecticut. And I've been here since um, just trying to make a difference in, you know, every day, uh, you know, world in our community and just doing different things, uh, just trying to make it, you know, a difference in our world every single day. So you you go to work every day. How often do you see other individuals uh, that look like you? 
That's not often. Um, you know, in my, in my immediate coverage area of, you know, Hartford, you know, West Hartford, Connecticut, and the Oscars on, on the shoreline, I'm always the only, you know, African-American male in the office. And it's something I'm, I'm aware of. Um, and it's not something that I let, you know, bring me down in terms of discouragement, but it's something that I do have to be aware of and operate in a certain kind of way. Um, you know, as you kind of work your way up through the region, you know, just in our New England region that goes all the way up to Maine and uh, down to where I am in Connecticut, I'm still the only black banker um, in my coverage team. And we think about the entire country and, and the team of bankers, there's probably about 15 to 20 bankers and managers, managers out of 200 or, or even more that are African-American. So I think there's a huge responsibility on our end to not only represent for our community, but to also do well enough to open doors for anybody else that looks like us that wants to also make a difference in the financial world as well. And I think that's part of the reason why I ended up joining um, our diversity council in the New England region to try to educate people at an earlier age to you know, have an interest in finances and want to learn more about it, just so that it sets, sets them up more for the future. Um, I think it's something where if you think about our community just as a whole, the resources that we have, you know, we do have a lot of resources in our community that can make a difference. But when you compare it to other communities, um, you think about, you know, you know, Asian communities, white communities, it doesn't matter. I think there's just so, so, so much more of a, a, of a base of understanding that, you know, if you are, or, or, you know, yourselves, if you, if you guys don't make it, I think it's detrimental to our community as a whole, if you guys don't use your resources and try to give back. Whereas, other communities are a lot more set up to where if one person doesn't make it, things will continue as is. And you kind of see the problems that are going on in the world today. I think it has a lot to do with that in the sense that our community, we're just not really educated in a proper way financially to be able to build a base, to be able to sustain and, and be able to incorporate in Fortune 500 companies or major big banks like mine. So I think it's really important that we, on, on our end, really educate young adults and young kids to be able to make a difference in not just you know sports or entertainment, but also in the financial world, to keep you know a pipeline going for the future and set up our future as a community much better than what it currently is today. That's interesting because you you speak about education and we always talk about that, just how important education is. Um, what are ways you know whether you're a black banker or a white banker, you're a woman, you're like whatever it is. What are ways, because I keep getting that text message, people like, man, you know, I work in insurance or I do this. How, how can I help? So what are ways that you think people can help, whether it's like, I don't know, maybe mentoring or programs that are going, like how do you think personally people can help um, just overall, you know, maybe not police brutality, but just help overall uplift the community that's just been oppressed for so long? It kind of goes back to, I think a lot of things I've been hearing recently over the weekend is, you know, I feel that just the color of our skin is, you know, people are, are feel, fearful of that. And I think that in itself is kind of goes back to how our community grows up. So you think about, you know, just having a job or, you know, having the right kind of job or home ownership or anything like that, young professionals where you can actually have conversations about it. I think for us, it's not something that's the norm. And I think just by having a conversation with a young kid about what else you can do besides being an athlete. And for me, I always wanted to be a, a pro athlete. And I look at you guys and, you know, I kind of live vicariously through you. But at the same time, it doesn't stop me and what I do on a daily basis is being able to educate 
someone. And I think for me, it kind of goes both ways. And I can say, you know, I did play with these guys in the trenches, but here's what else you, what else you can do if you don't make it. And I think just having more conversations about that with younger people and younger adults, um, you know, I think we all have a responsibility to do that, especially the ones that haven't made it. So, you know, as you mentioned before, we have a bunch of friends that, you know, we have police officers, we have, you know, myself, I'm, I'm in finance, we have people in insurance. You know, I think just having those conversations more often and, and, and doing mentorships, having um, opportunities with kids. You know, I'm part of the uh, Hartford Police Athletic League. You know, we're able to, you know, uh, touch a lot of kids in their, in their lives at an early age and just say, hey, here's what else you can do. And I think when that becomes the norm and we're not looked at as just for our talents as, a, as it relates to sports and entertainment and we can do so much more, I think once that becomes the norm, I think we can have more of an impact. So I think those people that you have mentioned that are in other industries, I think it's on all of them and myself included to educate people on what else is out there besides, um, you know, sports and entertainment. Because I think when we think about young kids, I think, you know, growing up, that's what we, we look at. I think, you know, that's the example that we see as far as people that look like us that are successful. We see sports or athletes and we see entertainers. That's what we see. I think we need to see more lawyers. We need to see more doctors. We need to see more, you know, financial services professionals, more um, insurance agents. You know, that's the way you build wealth in this country, you know, is, is by leaving insurance and leaving a legacy to your kids. And no matter what way you do that, I think that's that's what needs to be more important as opposed to, you know, just kind of materialistic things that I think our community, you know, thinks about. So it's, to me, it's a, it's a lot about the education, no matter what what platform you have giving back to those kids and helping them understand that there's more to life than just the materialistic things. There's, there's a lot of things that we need to do that I think is our responsibility to leave to the next generation in terms of education to our kids. Yeah, I couldn't have said that better, man. Uh, definitely appreciate you, Chris, man, coming on time out of your quarantine to come kick it with us. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Keep inspiring. I know you've been inspiring for Devin and myself. At some point, football is going to end, and you're somebody that shows us that, hey, there's life outside of entertainment and sports uh, that we can go and create a path and figure it out. So, man, we appreciate you uh, for coming on Double Coverage, my guy. I'm going to get my wine and enjoy the rest of the show. <laughs> no, that's so true, man. Just uh, understanding diversity, understanding that you have to push the limits everywhere. You know, you just think about so many barriers that have been broken in our countries because people push barriers that they weren't supposed to touch. So um, I think people have to continue to do that. Um, it, it's been interesting reading people just talking about learning how to respect each other and listen to each other. Um, and when we have David Andrews come on, we'll talk about that um, kind of how we operate as a locker room of being able to understand the differences um, and the similarities between each other um, and how that kind of goes a long way. That's the thing as well. Like I was listening to Tony Evans and it was just like, we can't expect to change our world if we're not willing to change our hearts. And that's where it starts with, you know, we all can change our hearts. And like you just said, learn to love and respect one another. You don't got to like everybody. But love and respect everybody. That's a start. And for a reminder for you guys, if you want to get on to ask me and Dev a question, get that fan credit app. You can come on side by side with us and get a chance to make a comment, ask a question, or whatever the case may be. So that fan, uh, the green, matter of fact, on the fan line uh, before we bring our next guest on. So you guys, fan credit app, get in line and you'll be backstage and 
uh, we'll have you uh, come be face to face. We got John uh, coming up uh, next on the fan line. So, what's good? John, what's up, man? Uh, chilling, man. How's everything? Doing well. How you doing? Good, man. I'm, you know, hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. Um, I like I like this platform that you guys got going on. Um, the one thing that I wanted to say going on in the world is you know it starts in our community um I, I think like we have to start changing the narrative amongst ourselves before we can start changing it you know with the laws and all of that um because i was talking to somebody and you know god rest his you know the situation with george floyd who's family but there was another kid who just passed away in spring in nyack uh ryan franklin you know that pretty much it wasn't really up in arms. There was no protest going on. And I was talking to a young kid and I was like, you know, within our community, we become numb to blacks killing blacks. You understand what I'm saying? Like we become numb to that. Um, we get up in arms when we see police officers killing us. But the same way that we get up in arms about police killing us, it should be the same when we're killing each other. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No question. You know what I mean? No question. I definitely agree. And I, I always look at those two entities as two separate conversations. I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying, but at the same time, I don't feel like uh, what happened with George Floyd doesn't belong on the back burner because we're still doing crime on each other. I feel like we need to address that and we both, we need to address both of them. I, I just think they're two separate things that like you just said, uh, Whatever happens, like you said, it always starts at home, and home is our community. So we can change our community. We can change ourselves. Uh, the people right around us, we can continue to grow that uh, and make a huge deal. So definitely agree with you there. And I, think that, and I think that speaks of human life. Like, we have to value life, like, at, at all costs. Like, we can't take other people's life. Like, black on black, a cop versus, like, we can't do that, and I agree with you with that. We can't can't kill each other uh, on Tuesday and then on Wednesday be up and on. Like it, it just can't. Like we have to value everyone's life. Um, and for Black people in our country, we very much need to value our lives because our lives are hunted. Our lives have been hunted for years. So if we don't do it, um, we can't always expect you know to see other people do it. Um, and like you said, J Mac, we still got to protest and fight for that. Um, but we got to protect ourselves and protect each other um, because we are, we are, we are all, all we got. And we got, yeah. so I definitely, I definitely feel you on that. Definitely. But, you know, like I said, I, I like what you guys are doing. Um, you know, keep, keep doing, keep doing what you're doing, keep pushing the envelope. And, you know, we need, we need more of it. less hate and more yeah. love. And also appreciate, you know, also want to give you guys a shout out because I appreciate the donation that you gave to East Ramapo. No um, you know, the children really need it, man. No doubt, man. Well, we appreciate you, man. You've been doing stuff for years, so yep. appreciate you. And make, yep. make sure you tell Nate when we when all this clear up, we're going to race. He's been dying to race me again, so we're going to race. Okay, clear right. up. All right, got Appreciate you. you. Uh, and Matthew uh, on the fan line comments was just like, uh, but how can we change the system? Um and I think when you ask that question, um, we're not going to change a system overnight or over a year or two. 
uh, that's been in place for so many years. And I think um, as you start to talk about change, you, uh, I saw, I think it was my mom actually earlier in the comments was like making sure you're going out voting, getting the right people in office uh, that are progressive and that want to see those changes, uh, whether it's just locally that can eventually work its way up. Uh, but I just think it, it's a it's a it's a long play strategy to try to get those things changed in the system. But we definitely have to attack legislation. Uh, Devin and myself, uh, along with Deron and, and Matthew Slater, fought to get an education bill passed uh, last year here in Massachusetts, and that's part of it. Uh, when you can attack legislation and get laws and get the system changed, um, that's going to bring the real impact. But we can't expect that to happen overnight. It's been hundreds of years in, in the process of of being made the way it is. So. Um, I want to make sure I get to there's some it was a pretty good comment right here by uh um by Quentin uh on Facebook. That's a fantasy land to think like that. Uh whites kill whites and still have wealth and resources, or they're not being hunted by police. Um I I, I can't I can't tell them that that's not a, a fair opinion. So um and that's what we want today, man. I don't it's no sports, no anything, just I want no right along what's name and you know i'm not gonna be perfect with reading everything um but i want to just put things out there for people to see to see other people's opinion because i think that's what we miss sometimes is just listening to each other so someone asked how does uh how do everyday regular people help um i think like you just said jay uh exercising your right to vote researching um knowing what it is that you want to see in your community and then listening listening to other people in other communities neighboring communities um, communities maybe you wouldn't even want to go to or think to go to, go see their plight, go see their life, their struggles, um, and, and try to be a voice for them as well. Um, so they're not just the only ones talking. I know we got uh, Tone in the back, so we can get uh, him on. Uh, nice guy, another former teammate at Rutgers, uh, Antonio Lowry, now is a police officer uh, in Miami. So we wanted to bring him on, get a little bit of his perspective. And uh, Carrie on Facebook said, this is amazing that you guys are doing this after this week. Uh, we appreciate you, Carrie. Antonio, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, what's up? We chilling. I'm chilling. Good. He can't. He can't hear with a plan. <laughs> hey, so you're a, you're a police officer uh, in Miami, um, and like I don't want to sit here and just make you the voice of all officers because that's not what this is about tonight. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you just why you became a police officer. I don't think people always know people's whys. Uh, so just wanted to ask you that, why you became an officer. Uh, first and foremost, appreciate it, appreciate this, man. Um, like you said, I'm not the voice of every officer, but I've been on for a year, and I'm going to tell you what I know, what I feel, et cetera. Um, why I became a cop. Um, to tell you the real truth is Cops was my favorite show. I used to love that show. Uh, but believe it or not, my family, when, at that time I, I was raised in Little Haiti, they taught me police was bad, police was dangerous. So um, when I had the opportunity, when, I, when we got to Rutgers to study um, criminal justice and I, I minored in Africana studies, I just thought that was a match made in heaven, a perfect, perfect opportunity to um, change the system, how I look at it. Um, being an officer, it means that um, you have a platform, you have, um, you can create change, and that's that's what I do. Uh, just a little bit before I became a police officer, I worked in with people in drug and alcohol addiction. I worked with at-risk teens after college. So helping people was my thing. I had my own charity called Laurie Loves the Kids. 
that was my thing. I just, I, I, I love helping people. Um, just like y'all have this platform now, and it's amazing. And I, I appreciate it, and I love y'all for that. We all have a platform. Um, circle of people we can impact. For example, y'all football camp. It's not just athletes. Y'all have teachers, doctors, lawyers, uh, uh, police officers. To, to show people, to give everyone that platform and show people is different things. So that's why I became a police officer. Man, uh, I, I respect that so much. And I think there's so many people out there that grew up. I remember being a kid and the older kids saying, hey, when the police come around, don't tell them anything because you'll end up getting in trouble. And like you just said, that mindset of what a police officer is and you going out there willing to make change and do it the right way. Uh, I, I commend you for that. And with everything going on, does that change the way you go out there and police or is it more of a mindset of like, hey, I got to continue to do things the right way. And by leading by example, I will affect change because here I am a, a black officer, but I'm just going about my job and doing it the right way. Or do you have to change or be some type of hero? Um, people are angry right now. Almost, I'm angry. We angry. Um, recognizing everyone, like hyper awareness, uh, being in anger, but that doesn't mean um, I have or try to de. I, I try to de our crisis we're going through right now. So the, I'm not saying we go out there and kumbaya and and everybody hold hands, which is a good thing. You have to listen to people. It's some bad people out there that don't doesn't understand the the respect aspect of it like they they don't understand that i'm feeling that same hurt they're mm. feeling but i still have to do my job every day as a first responder i'm taught to go into crisis i'm, I'm um situations are life or death so we don't you don't switch you don't switch they teach us how to recognize what's going on, what's go your surrounding, but you have to still be you. And that's me, that, that's how I look at it. My life, my life as an officer doesn't end when I take off the uniform. Like, I'm, I'm me 100% with the uniform, without the uniform. So when I put on that uniform and, and we're going through this situation, I'm gonna still treat people how I treat them uh, mm. the same. The same, the same, the same. So uh, I'm always because I, I know you work. I know right now you probably doing a little bit of everything, but overall you work in, in a school, and you know from a lot of research, there's a lot of areas um, where cops are in schools at least to arrest the black and brown children. A, a systematic mm -hmm. thing that leads to more kind of oppression of black and brown kids. Um, how have you viewed that job of being able to be? Um, officer and you know I know I've spoken to you numerous times but you don't see it as kind of a you, you kind of see it as a mentor you're in a school you get to know kids and mentor them um, how how have you enjoyed that um, of kind of having that impact on young kids lives you already know like and I, I feel like I work for one of the best departments because my chief understands that he understands that we were kids that uh, well, we're, we're kids too. When we were kids, we didn't have police officers in our schools arresting us for fighting, arresting us for this, arresting us for that. He, I love how he works and how he teaches the whole department how work with these kids. 
understand these kids, what they're going through. To me, uh, the uniform represents a symbol of leadership, role models, like you said, trust, respect. I love my job. I really do. How oh. I get I, I get to uh, serve and create a change, a real change. Not not just people say, "Oh, I get to I get to lead." I get to, and, and that's what I'm going through right now of my of pulling is can I do more? Yes, I can be a role model, and I do everything right. I want people to follow me, but what what else what what else can i do and and that's that's what's hurting yeah. me right now i think that's big though because there's a lot of people that are sitting at home with the same thought like what else um how how special has it been for you to do your work right in the community in which you grew up in how and how important is that just for a police officer you're comfortable because you're around family in a sense you're not related to everybody but yeah. these are people that you knew this is who you grew up with how 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 special is that to work right in the neighborhoods in the, the area you grew up in? It's a blessing. It, when when y'all know the whole story of like how much I tried and I tried and I tried and I got it and I finally got it and it's 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 everything that I wanted and more because like we started off saying I get to mentor kids, I get to help people, I get to do what I love where I grew up. And how some people see us or other people that look different, it, it, it's, a, it's a blessing that I can change that narrative. I don't drive down the street assuming all minorities or people with hoods or, or whatever the case may be are criminals. Just like I don't want people to look at me like I'm a robot. I got a job to do and I treat you with respect. But to to one of my favorite officers is Tommy Norman out of Arkansas. I follow him on Instagram. I love what he says is like the first step is just getting out the car. And when people see me on Instagram and stuff, I get out, play baseball, play football, play basketball, do this, do that. Just talking to people. Sometimes people just want to talk. You don't have to be me. You don't have to do this. Now, if someone takes you there, that's a different story. But me being where I grew up at is I'm gonna do change and I'm very grateful and I love everything about it. All right, well, we appreciate you, bro. Stay safe. It's crazy times. Uh continue to do what you're doing, continue to inspire, man. And uh for both of us, we definitely appreciate what you're doing, bro. I appreciate y'all, man. Y'all keep Real going. Fine, baby. <laughs> you already know after we know. Right, <laughs> All right, uh, man, some some good comments. Um uh, coming through Facebook and, and everything. Uh, the rioting is not okay. Arizona is in a state of emergency, 8 p.m. curfew because uh, people are out of control. It's not okay. Um, someone else, uh, the world is looking at us and this is what we want to show them. So sad. The irony is more of the tax dollars will be needed to rebuild. It looks like a virus will spread amongst those rioting. Stay safe, guys. Um, I can't I can't say I disagree with you guys. I just don't know the answers. I'm uh, for me, I'm in the house and I'm, I'm under control, um, but I don't know how I would feel um, if I'm going on social media and I see Dev laid out in the street uh, with a police officer's knee in, on his neck. So it's just as I sit here and I see how angry people are and they don't know how to express themselves, how we're sitting here during this conversation, we're saying, all right, how do we make change? How do we, how do we change this? How do we make sure this never happens again? 
Nobody can sit here tonight and say, this is how we do it and have a definitive answer. So I'm not saying that what people are doing in the streets are they're correct, but I'm just saying, unless we have the, the correct and the definitive answers to give them, um, I'm not going to shame them and call them this or call them that. Uh, but I do, I do say we have to find a better way to communicate and to get our message across. Agree, man. And I just think, look at Kaepernick. A couple years ago, people were going crazy. This guy's this, he's that. Then the irony of a man losing his life because the officer's knee is in his neck. And now all of a sudden people are like, oh man, let me actually take an extra second to listen to what Kaepernick said in an interview about why he took a knee and why he did a silent protest. And when you listen to it, people are like, oh, that's kind of what how I feel right now after watching that video. And it's like, yeah, I know, because if you ever stopped to listen to what he was doing and his true message, you would have never got to that point and you would never talked about the military. You never talked about the flag. You would have understood he was talking about freedom. He was talking about a bunch of things that whether you want to name Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Harriet Tubman, you could go throughout history. Um Madam C.J. Walker, all of these people wanted freedom for someone, whether it was women, black people, like they wanted that. Um, and that's what he was talking about. So, um, you know, I think it's been very interesting to see just the reactions towards him um, and how people now all of a sudden think um, like, oh, man, yeah, he is a good guy. Yeah, I know. He had a pretty good message from the beginning. No question. Uh, next, uh, we have another. It's all college teammates until we get to the end, but another college teammate. Uh, Pat Brown, he's out in Florida now. Uh, he's coaching high school football. So he's a guy that through sports has an impact on the upcoming generations and want to get a chance to talk to him from his perspective. Obviously, everything that's going on and how he can make an impact. Pat, what's up, man? Welcome to the Coach show, bro. Brown. Coach Brown. What's going on, fellas? My, my guys. Man, I just wanted to start off with, obviously, you know, we just told the, the, the viewers, you're a high school coach, you're in Florida. Um, just describe kind of, what your team is made up of, you know, as far as, you know, black students, white students, the social economics, like how have you kind of navigated that and still try to be, you know, more than just a football coach, but, you know, a leader of young boys, um, you know, with your football team? Yeah, for sure. My, my team is definitely a mixed bunch of group. Uh, our school starting off with roughly 15 to 1600 students with 200 of those students being melanated. So that's about 13, 12 to 13%. And when you look at our football team, we got about 50% uh, players that look like us on the team, 50% to almost two thirds going into this year. So that demographic is, you know, almost four or five times that much as what is presented at the school in the sport of football, which, you know, is heavily pushed in, in Florida. Uh, as far as the socioeconomic differences at the school uh, is, it's very radical where it's two totally different ends of the spectrum where uh, we live, we in a, uh, the school that's technically still in Daytona beach, but it's on a border of Ormond beach, which is a, with a suburb where Daytona is more of an urban setting. And you got uh, millionaires, uh, multi-generational millionaires, uh, students that's going to the school as well as you got certain kids that don't know where their meal is going to come at the next night. And family is living paycheck to paycheck, trying to make ends meet. And you got all that at one school uh, and on one team trying to get to a common goal. And I think that is great for us, you know, getting my players on one accord and being able to experience that early on in life where 
their parents mm-hmm. may have never had a meaningful relationship with somebody that didn't look like them or didn't have the same beliefs or backgrounds as them. Whereas these kids is getting this early on, where it's like, listen, I might have never crossed paths with this person if I wasn't playing football. So now let's have meaningful conversations early on in the game about things outside of football. Definitely. And that can go a long way from the football field to the classroom uh, to just being out in the neighborhood. Uh, How do you go about giving your kids that freedom to express themselves? Like you just said, you have from two totally different demographics and just giving those guys the ability to uh, open platform to become friends and just be who they are. Man, it's just like developing relationships like from for relationships that we had growing up, you know, becoming coming into school as, you know, considered young adults at 18 and developing these lifelong relationships and also through our experience of playing, you know, college high school, collegiately, pop one or professionally, you know, and seeing different coaches' styles and seeing what resonated with us, what made us feel good, what made us uh develop a bond further as brothers when we played on the field. But even more than that, more importantly, in a locker room and, and, you know, going to cookout, you know, we used to go to each other cookouts and stuff like that and meeting each other family members. So opening up that platform for for my kids to say, okay, you know, what do you feel open about discussing? And everything is on the table, right? I don't want to feel like y'all in a dictatorship. Tell them, fella, this is your team. I'm a manager. Our coaching staff is a manager. This is your team. We're just a guy, you as young men, right? Coaching sending them coaching is being a mentor. So we're trying to guide y'all through life, right? And during that process, things are going to come about that's going to impact y'all on different levels. And we, if you need our guidance in that, we're here for that, and we're going to help guide y'all through that. But with y'all platform as being as young men and looked upon as leaders in the school and in y'all communities, naturally, hey, too much is given, much is earned, much is received. You have to be able to willing to step up to that. So with their platform, it's like, listen, you can do anything you want and speak anything you want as long as you're respecting your teammates, all of your teammates, you know, the coaching staff, and your family, your community that you got to go back to at night. Mm. How has it been, you know, in this kind of virtual world where you can't get the guys together and, you know, look them in their eyes and see how they're feeling with everything? Like, I'm sure you guys do stuff in the community, and, you know, you, that could be something that, you know, brings your team together and you could do stuff. But, like, now that they're a part, like, how have you tried to help the kids cope with, you know, this past, like, week and a half, week going on with so much happening around them? How have you tried to help them, you know, understand what's happening? It was just something small, like, just sending my boys a text. Uh, it's mostly all the varsity kids, but just sending them a text late one night, just telling them, like, listen, you know, whatever y'all going through, if there's anything you need to talk about, or y'all in any type of situation where y'all feel uncomfortable, you know, text me, call me, I'll pull up to wherever you at if there's an uncomfortable situation. And, you know, some of the players, you know, I got some characters on the team, like, Coach, you all right, what's going on? I'm like, nah, I just want y'all to know <laughs> that I love y'all, but if y'all ever feel in a situation that y'all feel like y'all can't get out of or it's just an uncomfortable situation, then I'm willing to back y'all up in that situation, mm-hmm. and, you know, without any judgment at that time, and we could talk about whatever later on. Uh, so it, it, it's tough because down here, you know, you, you be able to spend so much more time with your kids. And, you know, we're spending more time. I'm spending more time with my players than they spending at home with their parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I respect the parents for uh, trusting me and my coaching staff with, with their young men and developing during that time. And it's just, it just big for me at this time to make sure that, you know, we still got them during this time. 
still providing them with outlets. You know, we can't work them out right now. We can't do these type of things. But we, we have meetings talking about football, you know. Still talk with them in a the group chat. Um, or, you know, we just make some jokes or just touching base with them. How y'all doing? You know, some of my kids that might be struggling finance that I know struggling financially, shoot them individual texts like, you know, everything good at the house, you know, you got food. Some of my kids that I know might have some mental mental health issues that, you know, you know, they struggle with some depression and stuff now and then I struggle with confidence issues. Just touching base with them, just making sure we all on the same accord for us, things like that. So, you know, during this time, it just keeping staying in touch, talking with them. Um, you know, some of your kids that you got to talk to a little bit more. You know, some of your kids you got to push a little bit more. Um, and understanding, like, listen, we're naturally social beings, and we're we're pushed away to be like, all right, this is for y'all safety to be anti-social at this time. Mm-hmm. So understanding the effects that you know having on us as adults. You know, we've been talking about in the group chat. So imagine teenagers that's going through, you know, physical, chemical balance changes during this time. So trying to, you know, navigate through that with them uh, is definitely an experience. But uh, some of the things that we would do, you know, some of the players, a lot of them actually came from our feeder program. We got two feeder programs in the, in the town. And during football season, obviously we're out now, but they would go volunteer their times on Saturdays. And we had some things coming up in this spring that unfortunately got um, canceled but we were trying to do some mentorship with the elementary school close by and like a community day. So hopefully, you know, rolling out in the fall, we can get that started back up um, and get those things. Definitely. And obviously with a pandemic, when then over the last couple of days, whatever things that's transpired, will that change? Football and uh, as far as my coaching style on the field, no, not at all. Uh, the biggest thing is, how are we preparing them for off the field moving forward? And I think it's, it's huge during these times where we can get that dialogue started, you know, and football for me and for, you know, what my, what I want my players to experience, like we talked about, you come in, you got so many people mixing together for a common goal, right? And you, you might not normally have those conversations with a kid at school, but now we're here, right? And you're seeing how certain people, you know, certain people act, certain people interested, what they're listening to. Right. And so uh, some of the things that we try to do is, hey, you talk with some of a player that you not might not normally talk to. Right. Take them under your wing if you're an older guy and a younger guy or if, you know, you live on two different sides of town. Right. Speak about, you know, what some of the experience that you go through at night and what you're going through at night. So you understand, like, OK, are you at least here and start that conversation? Of, All right. Well, why do you feel this way? And then, you know, we'd be able to start that uh, start that dialogue. So I think that's important with, with my kids. Um, um, that's about it, I guess, with that, with that situation. As far as uh, moving forward, then, like, we, I know y'all spoke about, it brought up, got brought up a few times about the community. And I think that's a big starting point with everything as far as with the community, as far as uh, being uh, a young man in the community, uh, I think to help start this transition, start this change, like you said, it's not going to be something that uh, a cookie cutter or one decision is going to be able to change a system that's been used to exploit people for hundreds of years at this point, right? But there's certain changes that we can make, and it's starting off with the community. And I say number one is mentoring and guiding these young kids, giving them something positive to look forward to. Mm-hmm. The reason that a lot of our young kids are acting the way that they act is because they don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. It's like, 
man, you know, it's just the same thing over and over. Like, I can't make it out of here. I can't do this. I can't do that. Can't, can't, can't. But it's like, listen, it don't always got to be sports to get the kid out. You know what I mean? Like Chris Quay was speaking about earlier. You know, we need more doctors, need more lawyers, judges, uh, uh, with 50 on, you know, police officers. I'm a big proponent of, hey, we need people, we need police officers in our community that are from the community. Not saying the whole force got to be like that, but you need, I, before I don't think it was as many issues, and of course there were still going to be issues in the police department, but when we had more people in the community from the police department um, that actually grew up there, there was a connection to say, okay, you know, oh, I know this person or that person that had mental health, right? I know this family because, you know, we grew up here. Mm-hmm. So those are things that are that I think is uh, big and imperative for us to get back to is get kids to understand, like, listen, you got different avenues to make it out besides sports and let's, and let's support them in any way possible. And having multiple mentors in that department makes it realistic for them to see, okay, oh, you know, this is a cop and he's a mentor now, you know what I mean? Or this is an accountant. And I'm really good with numbers, you know. I never saw a black lawyer. I never saw a black lawyer, and now I'm having a conversation with a black lawyer. So grabbing up those kids and, and really speaking life into them at that point. Um, other things, as far as uh, related to the community, as far as moving forward, I think uh, we need to. Uh, outside of the community, we need to uh, keep on. Uh, Impacting, impacting the, the the youth, uh, speaking life into them. Um, hold on one second. Uh, and that, that that's it. Really focusing on focusing on the youth, focusing on the mentorship. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. And it's been good. I saw someone jump in on Facebook and was like, "That's the exact age we need to get to the kids in high school because they're starting to figure out." you know, what they're going to be. So uh, we commend you on what you do. Uh, I know you're passionate football, but I know anybody that knows you, your passion is just about life and about helping people further their life for their family in the future. So definitely appreciate you coming in with your thoughts and obviously the work you do down in Florida, man. Yeah, good luck on the season, Coach. I appreciate it, fellas. Appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, and I think one thing, uh, one thing Pat said, which was huge, was he talked about uh, the young kids he's coaching. He talked about their mental health, and that's something that we don't always talk about. And I remember when we were growing up and you were in sports, there was no one talking about your mental health. If you gave up a play or something like that, coach was cursing you out, and that's just what it was. And if you were sad about it, then they told you to toughen up. And I think uh, nowadays a coach like himself and a lot of other coaches, you realize – uh, you have to pay attention to that. You have to get to know these kids and figure out uh, how to develop them, not only as football players, but also uh, as individuals. Uh, we'll get it. Let's, let's let some of the fans that are backstage come on and maybe share some of their thoughts or questions. We have Eileen backstage um, right now coming up uh, next on the fan line. Say hi. Hi. Are you listening? Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Me and Kari here. He was wearing his Patriots onesie and uh, then he peed on it. So, <laughs> um, so uh, first I just wanted to say, Dev, my thoughts and prayers are with you and your family. Um, I can't imagine what you're going through right now, but sending all the love to you. Um, I really appreciate you all having this platform and talk. I think it's really important. And the more that we can 
happens, the more things are going to change. Um, and I know you kind of touched a little bit earlier on how a few years ago when Kaepernick was taking a knee and a lot of different people were taking a knee, there was a lot of controversy about that and just kind of misconceptions. And the NFL didn't really do anything one way or another. Um, most teams didn't say anything one way or another. It seems like right now um, people are really starting to speak up that hadn't spoken up before and things are maybe changing, hopefully. What do you think the NFL's stance and impact should be since they really have probably the most, the biggest platform of anything in, here in America? Um, I think it's up to the players. Um, I, I, I think the NFL is like every other business. Um, they're going to do what's best for business. So, um, but I think what comes along with the NFL are the players. So I think as players, we have to continue to drive messages that we want out there. Um, Cap taking a knee or Malcolm Jenkins um, doing a whole interview where he didn't speak and he just held up signs with players doing work in the communities. Um, so whether that's going back to silent protests um, or different protests this year um, and more players doing it, like I don't know what it looks like. Um, but I think as we've seen over the years, it, it has to be up to the players. I don't think the players can rely on, you know, the league office to make a decision um, to benefit these communities because it's, it's a business. They're going to do what's best for business. Um, but I think players first locally and then overall nationally can make huge impacts um, just by standing up and, and doing what they feel is right. Definitely. Definitely agree there. Cole Harley. What, so what are you hoping that is? Is it going to be kneeling again, um, bringing that back? I don't, I don't know. I think it's something that we can't, can't really decide now. I think there's a lot that has to be seen um, from just the wake of all the things that's happened over the past week. You know, are these other three officers going to get charged and arrested? Is there going to be a conviction? You know, I think a lot of things that happen, you know, and I think players have already done a lot of groundwork with, you know, trying to fight systems and I think we have to continue to do that. And then as things start to play out, um, discussions. yeah, there's a lot of innovative guys that in this league will come up with different ways. Um, so well, I'm confident in, in the leadership and the guys we have in this league. Thanks. I appreciate it. I appreciate all you all do. Thank you. Appreciate that. So, yeah, uh, we got uh, Julius coming up who's backstage. But, yeah, you said it best, man. Companies are going to make statements. They're going to do those things. But in the league, we all we have a platform in the NFL in itself. But then as individuals, we all have our individual platforms that collectively, when we combine them, we can make big statements. What's, up, What's good? What's up, Jules? Nothing, man. Just wanted to tap in with y'all. I know I've been talking to you throughout the week and stuff. I just want to send my condolences to you and stuff. I'm in the middle of a barbecue right now, but I stepped out to talk to you guys. I just wanted to you know, touch on what Tone said, what K-Boy said, and also what Pat said, because I'm also a high school football coach out here, you know, and you guys train with a lot of my players and have interacted with a lot of my players. And I spoke to some of the local coaches out here just about really understanding what's going on. And because we can't train and do all the football side of things, we have to have our players understand what really is going on. And I have a lot of family that's cops and stuff like that. And I really respect what they do and the work that they do, their jobs that they have to do. But at the same time, 
they can't desensitize themselves to what's going on. It's, it's very, it's a very hard situation for them. And us being black young men who grew up in Rockland County, which is a very diverse area, we do a lot of times find ourselves placed in situations where I know myself may get pulled over and may come across an aggressive cop, but then I might come across a cop that's a completely good guy. I'm like, oh, hey, you went to St. Joe's or hey, you do this, you do that. And they'll let you go. What I'm trying to get my players right now to understand is when you get pulled over and you're in the wrong, or if you have any type of police interaction, you need to be able to realize that person has a job. They want to get home to their family as well. And they are coming forward to you, hoping that you're going to abide by the common laws. And a lot of times uh, us or just an individual may be in the wrong and because when you're in the wrong, you're very defensive. So a cop automatically senses that. A cop is trained to go about his procedure a certain way. And the moment that you give off any sense of nervousness or that you're doing something wrong, a cop's aggression and his alert is gonna be a lot higher. And right now, I feel like we need to have a platform out here where, yes, the rallies, the protests are great, I don't think our youth is really understanding what is really taking place and how to go about it. Like, I don't know if y'all seen the video I posted of my friend down in Atlanta, like my brother's down there and my best, one of my close friends, her store was like ransacked by people of color. Like people that grew up, like same way she grew up. And they like ransacked the store, like nothing left. So being a young entrepreneur out here, like, what that could have been my store that could have been my business and it's like at what point do we feel like is that going to bring justice by bringing harm to our own community yeah uh and i think that goes back to the comments that we said uh earlier with the rioting um it sucks and it's, it's not it's probably not the course of action um and i think as we all sit there like you just said the last thing you want to see is people rioting and, and looting their own communities and I still think it's just, it's an outcry. It's, it's people that are, are, are hurt. I'm talking to some of my friends in my group text. Uh, one of them that worked uh, in corporate America, that graduated college, played seven or eight years in the league, owned his own business, still decided to go back to school for his master's. And he's in tears as he watches his downtown in our country. And there's times where we just, as human beings, have no idea how to express ourselves. Right. And I think that's with your friend what they're going through in Atlanta that's terrible for that young lady in her business and it's terrible for the people that are doing the, the looting because they don't know how else to communicate what they need to communicate so uh, we definitely appreciate you coming on obviously as a as a mentor and, a, and guidance of young men as well uh, continue to just put the envelope open up the dialogue and have a conversation uh, we appreciate you bro definitely appreciate you guys all right take care god bless yes sir I think young people need to realize that they can't just turn on clips. You know, they got to learn um, from the older people around them. Like that video you spoke of, generations passing it down. Um, you know, just can't watch one thing or two things and just go. Um, and, you know, and I think one of the things, too, when you talk about, you know, speaking just police brutality, um, one of the key things, I, as I've been learning, is like just police unions is trying to, weaken the union uh, a little because, I mean, you see some of these things um, like we just witnessed in Minnesota and 
it took rioting, petitions, outrage for someone to get arrested. We've seen no arrest video. Usually when someone gets arrested in a, in a high profile crime like this, there's helicopters everywhere. See the person come out in cuffs. Um, the other three guys haven't been. So like, I think, but a lot of times in a lot of, a lot of uh, states and communities, that union has such a stronghold, whether it's on a district attorney's office, whether it's other places, that they control a lot of what's going on. And I've had conversations with, you know, Malcolm Jenkins and different guys, Anquan Bolden, different guys in the Players Coalition, Doug, uh, Kelvin Beach. Like, we've sat around and talked about these things um, of trying to figure out how we can help communities um, that deal with that. But um, I just wanted to make sure I put that. That's one thing to me. Um, how you try to help one of the issues being police brutality is you try to make sure the police unions are being fair to justice, not just protecting people at all costs, but always keeping justice first and foremost. So um, that's something we deal with in our league. You know, we're all held accountable when we make mistakes. Just wanted to say this comment from Sylvia Silva on Facebook starts with education, how we are bringing up our kids, morals, values of life, empathy, not color, black, white, tan, or purple. And I think uh, obviously that first part is huge. You know, how we're raising our kids, what we're instilling them, uh, uh, the morals, uh, the values that they have. Um, but I, I just know uh, I have three little ones and I know for me, it's going to be impossible uh, to raise them up uh, to not talk about color. Uh, I wish I wish I could, you know, uh, for my real little ones, those conversations really haven't begun. My three and four year old, uh, we're not talking about color at all. They just see everybody. Uh, daddy's brown some days, black some days. Mommy's always yellow. Um, they, they don't they don't see color yet. Uh, but as they get older, I have to have those discussions. There's no way I can allow them to enter into a world uh, where everybody else is going to see color. And for them to think uh, that it's just going to be totally normal and everybody's going to treat them only by their character and who they are as people, uh, because that's not the case. That's not the world we live in right now. And as much as I want it to be that way, and there's so many people that want it to be that way, I cannot send them out there and pretend that it already is. And um, we have to have those discussions with them uh, and get them to understand that there may be further that they have to take the baton. Uh, there's a time where uh, I'm going to have to pass that on to my, my young ones and hope that they continue to push the envelope, continue to have those conversations. And if things aren't the way they want it to be, uh, when they look out the window, that they walk out the door and they try to start change somewhere. So uh, hopefully we can still uh, get that going. Um, right now we have Trisha, uh, who's backstage and is coming up next uh, on the fan line. The, the Facebook, the, the comments is going so fast, I can't keep up. How you doing? Hi, guys. I'm so sorry, Dev, but with, with the baby. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. In a way, I kind of went through almost the same thing years ago. Yeah. Carriages before I had my two boys. Wow. Well, yeah, we've heard a lot of stories like that, and it's helped us and inspire us to kind of well, keep the last one was a little girl, and I was going to name her Anisha. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. But in order to have my boys, we ended up doing genetic testing, and I had to give myself shots for 10 months straight. Shit. Wow. Just to have them. Now they're 14 and 16. That's, that's, a that's awesome. <laughs> so, no, they're, they're great. When they want to listen and 
<laughs> we know those struggles. We definitely appreciate those kind words. Yeah. But I just wanted to make sure you guys knew. Now, if I, I would have wrapped my arms around Michelle when it happened, what? even kids, you know, whatever was needed. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Trisha. We appreciate that. Here, Tina on Facebook, my son's friend is almost 19, black and afraid to go outside. The boys had a graduation parade Friday and I made them come with us. Police led the parade, but with the loud sirens, he was scared. It broke my heart. We need to understand the fear that uh, with the fear and that it is real. Wow. Uh, appreciate that. And that's why it's so hard to just look at these things and look at different occurrences and try to just put a title on it, put a name on it, put blame on it, because there's so many emotions and there's so many people that only have their lens to look through that you have no idea because you've never taken any steps in their shoes. So I think, uh, like you just said, that young 19 year old, I hope um, that he gets up the courage to realize that there's hope out there, whether it's um, inspiration from somebody next to him, somebody on TV, but just to realize that he can get up and things will uh, get better. So I, I'm hoping and praying for that. Exactly. And I think that's what it's all about. You know, it's hope. Um, no matter what we go through, we can't lose hope on improvement, on uh, a better uh, future, I think, for our kids, because I think that's what it's all about. Um, there's no reason for us to be here if we're not fighting for that. Um, no matter if the situation was even better than what it is, you still be fighting to improve something. Um, so uh, to me, that's something we got to keep going. We can't we can't let that slack or, or be uh, discouraged or anything. We just got to continue to fight and hope. And, and I'm all about that. Definitely. Um, you got time? We can keep it going. Get a few more guests on before we take off. I feel like the dialogue is good. I want to keep it going. So you, you're, you're quarantined. You ain't got nothing to do. Uh, we got, uh, oh, we got our guy Marcus, who's back on this week. Get a quick, get a quick hello to Marcus. Hey, how are you guys? Whoa, that's weird. Yeah, Marcus had a bad connection this week. We was hearing all type of stuff, but um, definitely, definitely appreciate uh, the comments and everything that uh, everybody said. Um, this all this affects everybody in so many different ways. So, um, like I said in the beginning, me and Deb just felt like this was a perfect time to open up the dialogue uh, to use our platform to be able to have these discussions. Yeah, and uh, Dave just texted me. His microphone's not working. He probably needs to upgrade his MacBook. He sent me a picture. It's a MacBook Pro, though, so uh, he's still doing all right. That's a, that's a decent computer. Um, uh, but, no, like you said, I, I think it's been great. Um, and, I, and I really wanted to do, you know, even with Dave not being able to make it, I thought it was very important because I feel like a lot of people want to know what is a path, what can they do, how – and I think you saw people who do different things for a living um, jump in here and they do different things and they impact or try to impact in different ways. And I think that kind of goes across the board. Um, whatever it is you do for a living, there's things outside uh, around the corner, two blocks away, a town over that you can get involved in and make a difference and have an impact. Um, you just got to put yourself out there. You got to try to you know, search a little bit for it. 
Um, but I think whether it's mentoring, um, whether it's going out there and, and trying to explain to people the importance of voting, um, there's so many things out there that you can invest in um, in your community and, and the surrounding communities that make a difference. You know, it's not going to end uh, police brutality. It's not going to end um, the poor education system in some of the poverty stricken areas throughout America. It's not going to end the wage gap for women and a wage gap for African-Americans. But you can start to move, put in motion some things that will help other people's lives. Um, and I think once you take the first step to do one thing, you will be empowered. You will be motivated and inspired to do it over and over again. So I would encourage people um, to be inspired by the, the couple of individuals who came on here tonight um, that are finding ways to be impactful um, and, and try to do the same thing in your community because it can uh, create a real change and, and help other people out. Yeah, definitely. And Matthew, again, we just need to pray and lean toward God uh, to help our country. Obviously, me and Deborah are men of faith, uh, so we wholeheartedly believe in that. And uh, it's where we go in time like this to try to find answers. And uh, I got a text from Pat Brown, our coach from Florida, who was on earlier. As you guys saw, he was ruffling through those notes and all that. He, I think he got a little flustered, uh, but he wanted me to uh, let you guys know as he talked about uh, ways to make change and things to discuss. Um, he just talked about in your community. He said, have a conversation with your neighbor, uh, whether they look like you, whether they don't. Uh, those conversations can start so small and seem so uh, pointless, but to, but can grow in and blossom into something beautiful. And I think those conversations are the dialogues that we need. You never know where a simple conversation uh, going out to get your mail uh, is going to take you. And then he also talked about um, what we talked about a little earlier is locally you can make change uh, through politics. Uh, your elected officials hold so much power and so much weight and you have to hold them to a certain stand standard and you have to push that. And that was something uh, that Dev and myself believed in when, in when it comes to education. And uh, we felt like that was important, just a district attorney here and trying to make those changes. So those are the challenges that I will pose to all you guys as you sit there and you listen and you're in your homes and you're wondering and pondering, hey, what can we do? How can we make change? Uh, have a dialogue and, and, and start it. And uh, Joseph on Facebook, uh, we can't expect the next generation to get better if they see us giving up and tearing each other apart. There you go. We have to find a way to love one another and build. And that that's the legacy we're going to want uh, to leave. So we have to figure this thing out, man. And we, and we got to all get through the process. That's, you know, some of the things you see going on, it, it's a part of the process, you know, and um, I, I believe that when, when tough times come, um, we've talked about it earlier. We got to grow from it. So I, I think everyone has to learn from it. And like Pat said, just talking to your neighbor today, uh, put the kids in the stroller. We don't got much to go. We kind of live off a little bit of a main road. Um, but you know, there's heavy bike traffic, uh, right outside our house. So took the kids outside, went down a driveway and we happened to see uh, a cop driving by stop, uh, got out the car and we had a 10 minute conversation just talking. Uh, Officer Rob, uh, where I live, um, and we just chat. We just was talking, you know, um, talking about my experiences with my friends. Uh, have a close friend who was an officer in Charlotte and actually was an officer during the riots uh, and the looting and different things in Charlotte. I had a conversation with him two nights ago uh, just about that. And he talked about when you're out there, you're just out there. You know, you get a you get an order and you go out there. And he talked about rocks being thrown at his head and you don't move. You stay there. You stay there until they tell you you can move. So um, I just want to, like you said, I just want to say at the end of the day, how we started this, we're all people. We all humans. We all need to have some love and some empathy in our heart for each other. Um, 
And I think most importantly, we gotta we gotta grow through this process and we can't judge people because they're doing something that we don't believe in, whether that's out there protesting and you can't you can't get mad at them and, and say, you know, they shouldn't do that, they're bad people. Like people are gonna grieve and get through things however they feel needed. So um, you know, I just wanna be an inspiration to people. It was an honor to do this tonight, to have people come in um and do this uh I texted Jay earlier this week. I just didn't think it was right to come in here and, and talk about, uh, answer more questions about how, who's going to be quarterback, how's the team going to look without Tom. It just didn't feel right this week. So, um, as always, uh, want to make sure I leave you guys the right way. Uh, first and foremost, again, I uh, started the, the show off like this. I want to end it like this as well. Again, thank you, everybody, uh, for your support. All the well wishes, everyone who jumped on, said it, and, you know, so many flowers and people sent food and everything to our house. We appreciate that love and support. Um, and, you know, with everything that's been going on this past week, I just want to tell people to find something bigger than yourself to believe in. Um, you know, I've given messages because of my faith throughout the week. Um, and I just want to tell you guys, if you don't get to know God, get to know him. Um, I'm telling you right now, there's no way I'll be able to jump on this thing this week or, be able to be a father and a husband to my wife and my kids this week uh, without his strength and, and without his grace and mercy. Um, that's really led me throughout this weekend. Um, it's been a, a week since everything happened and um, I can truly say my family's blessed. We're going to be okay. Um, and again, find something, find God, find him, believe in him, trust in him. Um, and I know he will do what's good for you if you believe. So I uh, appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. Um, can't wait to see you guys again next week, man. Mama, we made it. Definitely appreciate you, Mac. Let them change your heart. Let them, let them go to work. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, love you guys. Love each other. Uh, be there for uh, one another and just continue to uplift each other. See you guys next week.